This is the MIT Alumni Books Podcast. I'm Joe McGonigal, writer for the MIT Alumni Association. In the decades since Monica Byrne earned a master's in geology and earth science at MIT, she's redirected her interest in science, research, and discovery towards the arts. She studied the craft of fiction, playwriting, and poetry and found success, earning an award in the New York Fringe Festival last summer and an artist fellowship from the North Carolina Arts Council last fall. Byrne sold their first novel, The Girl on the Road, to Crown Publishers, and the book releases on May 20th. The Girl on the Road follows the journeys of two young women, one in India and one in Africa, in the not-too-distant future. Like her other creative work, one can clearly see Byrne's influences and interests in science in this debut novel. Among her literary flourishes with symbols and metaphor, Byrne's story makes some important observations about physics and chemistry, technology and climate change in the 21st century. I spoke to Monica Byrne by Skype and asked her about her own long journey in publishing this book. I wanted to write this book now because I feel like this century is in need of new heroes and a new hero journey and a new hero arc. I grew up, as many people did, with um, Frodo and with the Pevensies in, in the Chronicles of Narnia and with Harry Potter, whom I adore, I mean, all of the hero journeys of the 20th century are very much present in my mind. But I felt like so much of literature is very much centered on the Western canon and on Western experience and on Western races and on Western cultures. And part of travel for me is just like blowing all of that open and seeing how much more there is out there. And I wanted to reflect that the hero of the 21st century, the hero of the whole globe, <laughs> was in fact an Indian woman and always has been. And, and I wanted to make the point that the default hero of the human race has always looked like that, actually. Talk about some of the challenges in writing the book. Even, God, even before I started writing, and, and again, I'm, I'm in this mindset because I'm reading all of these journal entries and letters from Ethiopia. I was just like, this is so ambitious. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. This is never going to get written. Um, like, how could you think you could do this? And so it was just a tremendous, and the only answer I had was because I can't not, I can't look down. Um, I just have to keep climbing and not allow myself to get immersed in self-doubt because that's a waste of time. Like either I'm going to try or it's not going to happen. Um, what was your question? <laughs> uh, some of the challenges writing it. Yeah, I mean, there was a plenty of travel involved in uh, yeah. thinking about the book ahead of time, yes? Yeah, yeah. But in, in writing it, too, um, I'd say this draft, the draft you have in your hand is maybe draft six, number six. The drafts that came before it, God, I the first draft was so bad. And, and I mean, it was, you know, well-written in the sense of there were new ideas, but it was just so, like, badly cobbled together. Just even even the best writers, you don't want anyone to read your first drafts. Then I actually had this experience. I went to a residency called the Vermont Studio Center. I was at dinner, and um, this writer asked me, so tell me what your novel is about. And I was kind of in a bad place about it. I was feeling grumpy, so I was like, Ugh. It's about a woman who walks across the Pacific Ocean, and I, there's another character from Africa, and she's from India. And she said, well, if one character's from India and the other's from Africa, why is she walking across the Pacific? 
and I said, because, because she just does, because you don't get it. And so, and like, of course, you know, I had this very strong reaction. I was just like, oh, but that's, you know, that's the inalienable core of the novel. And you, you just don't understand. And then I was walking back to my studio and I thought, she's totally right. She's totally right. It makes no thematic sense whatsoever. And so I threw out the entire 70,000 words and started over that night. And uh, sometimes you just have to do that. And it felt so much better because I was just like, I don't have to be enslaved to this entire draft. That Like, I can't, I'm not enslaved to, um, to rehabilitating it. I can just start over <laughs> now that I know the novel's about something completely different. So sometimes that just has to happen. What else got in your way of, well, talk about the publishing process and, uh, and any obstacles you encountered there. The publishing process, I will say, was criminally easy um, in the sense that as soon as I signed with an agent, he had it sold in seven days. And that is a coup. I, I mean, I've just had nothing but a glorious experience in publishing, to be honest. It makes every other experience I've had in in art seem dysfunctional (laughs) (laughs) in comparison and you've just been through uh, a very difficult experience getting that play at the fringe festival yes what every girl should know that's right yeah Yeah. so an indiegogo project and uh, fronting the money yourself and real shoestring effort uh, (laughs) and then uh, this windfall of success the dysfunctionality of the theater world is really grating on me these days of just oh wow you know it's, it's like night and day it's such a different experience how does your MIT experience factor into this book if at all I've got plenty of uh, oceanography at work in here climate change technology chemistry physics all of that couldn't have happened at MIT but some of it did <laughs> some of it did some of it I mean I took classes at Huey I took classes at Woods Hole um, I was, my advisor was a chemical oceanographer, and so there are, there are some points like when Mina runs into the scientists where I could talk about things like, you know, waveform, CTD data, and I was like, I did that, you know, I did all of that, and, and it felt really good to retread that territory, be like, God, that was good for something, <laughs> it was good for something. And even when I was at MIT, I mean, it's comical for me to look back at my time at MIT and remember how how I was fighting against myself even then because I I would be reading all of these papers for my thesis and for for my experiments and then on the side I would just be like I, I really just I want to have a journal where I just make things up <laughs> and where I could just no ties to experimental data and I could just make a sort of self-containing internal system that makes sense in my head. And basically what I'm describing is fiction. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) what I'm describing. But I had this idea when I was a graduate student to make up a fake journal full of fake papers of things that sounded cool, (laughs) (laughs) but had no experimental basis. Um, And that's what I do now, basically. So without the crucible of MIT, uh, there might not have been the longing to escape into the world of fiction? No, I feel like 
I mean, I wanted to be an astronaut from when I was 14, an astronaut and an astrobiologist. That was, that was my vocation. And I went as hard as I possibly could in that direction. I got into MIT and I got a pilot's license and I had all these connections with good people who, if it was going to happen, were going to help me make it happen. And I just realized I really didn't like it. I really didn't like it. And all of the things that I was doing to sort of help myself through graduate school, like take yoga classes, take improv classes, uh, write for the MIT Tech, um, entertain ideas of, of a fake journal with, with fake papers. Um, those were what I actually wanted to do. Finally, just was like, can I allow myself a life of pleasure of like pursuing what I actually want to do instead of this dream that, that is a really beautiful dream, but is actually not what I want. And you've got a character here in Mina who uh, wants to cross the Arabian Sea. Can I have you read a piece, Monica? Yes. There's the descript first description of the trail from the narrator at the museum. The TALG only resembles a pontoon bridge, as its overall shape is more like that of an upside-down caterpillar. Each segment is a hollow inverted pyramid made of aluminum, and each sunward surface is faced with solar paneling, which seems brilliant to me, makes me want to applaud. Between the segments are hinge arrays called nonlinear compliant connectors, each of which contains a dynamo, in each of which is suspended an egg of steel that bobs up and down as the wave does. This generates energy, as does the solar paneling, making the TALG a dual action apparatus. Mohini would love this. I wonder if she knew about this. This is the bridge that Mina will find herself on, and we'll leave it to the readers to find out what happens. And uh, Mina slowly sheds a lot of those disciplines that she, herself a student at an uh, institute of technology and in a hope to um, be more connected with the world, it seems. Yeah, yeah. And, and she has her own fictions to confront and struggle with. She constructs a very elaborate parallel reality. And a system of parallel reality and omission, convenient omission, about what it is she's actually after. You set the novel in the future, you're probably going to be asked, uh, what is it you're telling us about the future? Um, yeah. Are we to be afraid of the, the GPS units and all, all of this modern day science that can that supposedly help us out uh, on such a journey, but, but doesn't? I mean, it does help for, for the purposes that she needs it to or that she thinks she needs it to. Self-actualization is just not necessarily one of them. I feel like there is a tendency to conflate the words science fiction and dystopian. A lot of science fiction deals with technology in a really threatening way or in a really sinister way that is fundamentally sinister. The only reason I set The Girl in the Road in the future is because the trail doesn't exist now. And so I extrapolated far enough in the future so that the trail technology would be plausible. And so 2068 seemed like a good estimate of when the trail might be possible. Her experience of technology and all of their experience of technology, all of the characters, is pretty benign. I don't experience technology to be sinister. I experience it to be a benign, everyday, organic presence in a way that does not feel threatening, that feels very exciting. And so, you know, the things that, that Mina experiences, like um, the Adhar Halo and uh, the posit and the pod, 
all of these are just things. Of course, the other big question is, here's, here's two women in two countries where we know today women face issues of equality and inequality much like that of the past, for the United States at least. Is the uh, narrative telling us something about your hopes for the future in these places? I treated the future in my book the same way it is now, again, just uh, extrapolated in the future, which is that the future is here, it's just unevenly distributed. I, I forget which famous science fiction writer said that, but the future is here, but unevenly distributed. And same place with India. I mean, Mina is queer. Mina's girlfriend is a transgender hijra who is uh, named Mohini. And actually, India just passed um, third gender recognition laws. Like the, the uncanny thing I kept experiencing in the last five years of writing this novel is the things I was writing about came true or were headed there. And it, it was so uncanny to watch. I was trying to understand how India might look in terms of acceptance of queer lifestyles, queer people, same-sex couples, uh, transgender couples. I just thought, you know, it's it's probably how it is here now and how it is there now, which is um, pockets of acceptance and pockets of non-tolerance, and that the pockets of tolerance will probably be bigger. It's easy to point to Africa or India and say they have issues with women. <laughs> I will say uh, issues with women in the States are nowhere near what I'd like them to be either. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's... There is the aspirational outlook towards towards caste, too, and, in some of her narrative, right? And it's, it's very powerful now. And so Nina's grandmother would be in her 30s about now. Right. Yeah. T talk about what you're reading right now. I'm reading A Feast for Crows. <laughs> A Game of Crows. <laughs> reading A Feast of Crows. And also um, reading Subtle Bodies by Norman Rush, who is just my favorite literary fiction writer. In terms of female road narrative, I mean, he, he basically, I read that at MIT, too. I read his book Mating at MIT, and it was groundbreaking for me. I had just never read anything like it. And so he has a new book out called Subtle Bodies, which I am also reading and just being, it's like, oh, it's like being with an old friend. Good. What books by MIT alumni or professors would, would you like to see written someday in any of these disciplines? MIT people know the value of data. I honestly just want to figure out a way for our government to support artists. There are so many countless times when I was working at my day job that I absolutely hated, thinking I wish there was a way for my work to be recognized in a way that made economic sense to the government in a way that they could incentivize and make into policy. God, artists struggle. And I've seen so many burnout incredibly talented people who give up because there's just no harder way to make a living. And if some MIT people could put their minds to how to support and incentivize artists in our country, God, I would love that. You know what? I would love for an MIT alum to invent the trail. <laughs> Please. Please invent the trail because I want to walk on the ocean. That would be the coolest thing. And, you know, make it like so it can harvest energy and all of that, I guess. <laughs> uh, Monica Byrne is the author of The Girl in the Road, published this month by Crown Books and available online or at your favorite local bookstore. Monica Byrne, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.